Hello, my name is Dr. Bertrand Liang and welcome to Patient Stories, episodes about some remarkable people whom I've met through the opportunity of being a physician. Some patients fight demons beyond their diseases. David was referred to me because of a severe neuropathy secondary to being treated with a platinum-based drug for his germ cell tumor. He was fairly young but looked much older than his years. He lived on the streets for a long time and had a history of being in and out of halfway houses and shelters, but somehow managed to meet his appointment with his doctors over at the cancer center. Surprisingly, he'd completed his courses of chemotherapy pretty much on time despite his social situation, but by report often showed up drunk to clinic appointments or his chemotherapy treatments. He was a quiet drunk, as he termed it, one allowing him to delve further into a world where he needed not deal with the reality of health and challenges of the street. So it was no surprise that his neuropathy was very profound, with significant loss of sensation, with the painful muscle cramps in his feet and legs associated with significant and advanced disease. When I first saw him, he was sitting in the clinic in his disheveled state. His walking was clearly that of someone with a lack of sensation in his feet, picking up his legs very high with a subsequent slapping of his feet when they came down. We walked together into the clinic room and I noticed his flat affect of minimal tone and inflection of his voice. As we sat down to discuss his case, he brightened somewhat, noting that he hoped I could help him, which I found to be a good sign. As we delved into his history more, I was surprised to learn that he had been a good student in high school and had started college at one of the state schools in the area. He began then having, as he called it, issues, which he would not specify, and he left school and began wandering. He didn't know his family history, and he hadn't talked to his parents for years. He started drinking, in his words, because that's what you do in the shelters. While he knew the date and where we were, he was lacking in his knowledge of current events. But then he performed calculations with alacrity. I became more interested academically in his mental status and tested him further. While he could write and read, he couldn't draw a clock or a time on a clock, and he was unable to imitate certain hand movements. He could tell left from right, but had difficulty with consistently naming his index or pinky finger. And poignantly, sometimes during these tests and questions, he would start answering and then stop, making a face like he was being bothered by something, and then continue on again. He could recall during these episodes when I'd ask him something, but when I would query about what's going on during these events, he'd just say something like, I'm thinking, or nothing. His neuropathy was indeed severe. It showed he had minimal feeling in his feet, including a lack of position sense to the ankle. I could see his sneakers had wear marks where he'd been scraping his feet. During the exam, his feet also cramped up, causing him significant amounts of pain. I asked him about any mental changes that he'd noted in the past, and he said that he'd felt that he was just getting older and that his memory wasn't what it used to be. I hadn't really seen any memory issues and told him so. His response was interesting. He said, I get along. What else do I need? And then he began almost morose, silent for the most part, with only yes and no answers to most things. I prescribed some medications to try to alleviate both the neuropathic changes in his feet and the painful cramps he was experiencing. I was aware that with his alcohol issues, I would need to be careful about him using morphine derivatives due to the potential for abuse. I was frank with him about that concern, but his notation was that pills aren't my thing. I like Jim Beam. I didn't warn him that alcohol would make things worse, to which his response was that alcohol makes everything worse. 
and he said it without a smile. I also told David that I'd like him to undergo neuropsychometric testing to define better some of the abnormalities found on his examination. He refused, saying that his brain was his business and he didn't want anyone poking and prodding his mental state. This was something of a surprise to me, not that he refused, but that he had the insight to understand that the assessment would be to examine why he was able to do certain mental tasks and not others. I pushed him a bit on this, but he became sullen and I didn't bring it up again. When I saw David again, his neuropathy was stable, but the cramps were worse. As well, his personality was much more aggressive and his speech was more pressured and urgent, but low in volume, almost like a loud whisper. He refused some of the mental status examination, but did allow me to assess his neuropathy. I asked him if anything had changed and his response was almost paranoid. He said, should there be? I was concerned about this change and again suggested further evaluation and workup, this time with psychiatry, which he flatly refused with the same type of intonation that he noted previously. I asked if he would be willing to change some of his medications to address the cramps to which he ascended, but only with some cajoling. I scheduled an appointment for David to come back and see me in less time than usual, as I was concerned about him. Usually we'd be able to call in a patient for an interim assessment if needed, but since David had no mobile phone and had itinerant status otherwise, the challenge was to ensure his continuous care. Six weeks later, David came back to see me. I didn't recognize him at first. His hair was combed. He was wearing a button-down shirt, khakis, and suspenders, although he still had his old sneakers on. He greeted me like an old friend, and his friendliness was almost alarming. He was cooperative with the examination, but I found that his neuropathy was not improving and he still had painful cramps. His mental status exam was slightly worse, with concentration somewhat off. However, I took advantage of this mood to again suggest additional tests, from neuropsychometric testing to a visit to psychiatry. This time he agreed to be seen, and rather than taking a chance of of a change of heart and mind, I called in a consult for the patient to be seen right away, at least for the psychiatric assessment. I was able to get one of the residents to come to my clinic for evaluation. I went to use another room and allowed the consultation to take place and started seeing other patients. Close to the time at the end of my clinic, one of the psychiatrist's attendings called me. He wanted to ask some questions about David and talk about the consult. He listened as I related his mental status exam, his history of school performance, dropping out of college, his homelessness and drug abuse. My psychiatric colleague noted these things were important and also noted that the resident had found not only these things, but also some psychotic tendencies as well. He asked if I noted that the patient would stop mid-sentence and then continue on after a pause, to which I noted I had. He asked what I thought, and I said of course I was concerned about a seizure, but he apparently heard what I had been saying during that time and could recall it. What my colleague then noted was definitive. He said, yes, that's what I would have thought. But what the resident found is that David is hearing a woman's voice asking him questions, accusing questions, questions of why, motivations of his worth, pretty specific. Obviously, I knew this was a very bad thing. My psychiatry colleague asked about family history since the resident couldn't get any. I noted my lack of success as well. He said, well, we think he's schizophrenic. Obviously, we need to assess other things like manic depression, etc., but his history and behavior is pretty clear. 
Amazing he's made it this far for so long, especially with cancer. As a neurologist and a cancer doctor, it was somewhat embarrassing to have missed pulling together the pieces of this puzzle. I could treat his neuropathy the best I could, but the struggles David was undergoing on a daily basis was far more than a history of cancer and side effects of therapy could be. We arranged for David to be followed by the psychiatry service, particularly with the schizophrenia expert group there, and I continued to see him for his neuropathy. With time, I could see David improving, although the only thing I did for him really was to decrease his painful cramps. The neuropathy never really changed. I always remember David for what I need to consider as the whole patient to be evaluated, rather than a historical disease and need of treatment. The patient may be fighting many more things than our subspecialties can imagine or consider. Thank you very much for joining me for Patient Stories. Be happy, be healthy, and find peace.